Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to episode nine of the Round Trippers podcast, the very first exclusive trade deadline special of the Round Trippers podcast. I am your host, Austin Spiro. Boy, what a trade deadline it was. Many experts are calling it one of the best trade lo- trade deadlines ever in the MLB. Uh, it certainly was very record-breaking. There were a number of records broke in this trade deadline. There was a record number of trades happening on the deadline day. A total of 68 trades happened uh, within these past with the, within those past two days. Uh, the dust ha- the dust has finally settled. There are, I believe, a record-setting 13 All Stars on new teams, and even more former All Stars. Former and current All-Stars on new teams. So there was a number of records broke this time. The phones were very, very busy uh, during those two days of two or three days of the trade deadline. And I am here to talk about mostly all of them. I'm not going to talk about all of them because, well, I don't want to break down 68 trades when some of those trades don't really mean anything. There, you know, there are a number of trade there are a number of trades on the trade deadline that don't really mean anything that don't move the needle for any teams over the course of the season or over you know they're not groundbreaking trades uh, for the team's future or the team's current makeup so some of them I'm going to kind of skim over but we are going to talk about each team because each team made at least one trade during this trade deadline season So that was something else. Everybody's phone was ringing and somebody from every team moved. Some teams were busier than others. We're going to go division by division. I think that's the easiest to break this down. So it turns out we are going to start with one of the busier teams in the league at the trade deadline. And then we are going to end with another one of the busiest teams in the trade deadline. So you're going to get busy teams throughout the podcast. So stay tuned throughout the whole podcast for me to break down your favorite team. So let's get started. First of all, I want everybody to understand that sometimes trades aren't necessarily what you think they are at face value. There's a lot of things to consider when you when MLB organizations look at trades. Yes, there are a lot of people, a lot of, at the face value, a lot of teams look at, can we compete? Are we a contender? And that tells you whether you're buyers or sellers. Do we think we can win the division? Do we think we can make the wild card? Do we think we can make the playoffs? Do we think we can win the World Series? What do we need to get to where we want to go, right? If if the answer to that is no, then you're probably sellers and you're looking for the future. You're looking to trade whoever has value for prospects for the future. So that is probably the face value of trades. The other... Another thing to consider in trades is there are a number of prospects that teams may necessarily want that are not on the 40-man roster. And the MLB has something called the Rule 5 Draft. So there are players each year that are eligible from the for the Rule 5 Draft unless they fall under certain conditions. There's a number of conditions that these players have to fall under. So in or, And these teams don't necessarily want to lose certain prospects to the Rule 5 draft, but they need to make room on their 40-man roster in order to put these prospects on their 40-man roster to avoid the Rule 5 draft. 
So therefore, sometimes they got to trade away people, and that's why you see a lot of trades for cash considerations or a player to be named later, things like that, because they're making room for players that they want to keep and not lose to the Rule 5 draft. Okay, why not get, if you're going to trade them away later, why not get something for them rather than just losing them to the Rule 5 draft if they have some value? So there's a number of things to look at here. Um, so don't take each trade off of face value. And we are going to break down each team and why some teams may have had a better trade deadline than what you think. We're going to get more into that as we go along. So let's get started with the ever-busy AL East. The AL East was very busy. Uh, a number of teams in the AL East were very busy because it is a very competitive division. We're going to start with the New York Yankees. Why not? Let's start with the New York Yankees first. They made a number of trades, and in my mind, they made a number of good trades. So, you know, first one, we're going to get into the big blockbusters here in a minute, but first off, uh, they made a trade for with the Angels for left-handed pitcher Andrew Heaney and some cash, for, and they traded... Uh, two right-handed pitching prospects, Jansen Junk and Elvis Poguero. Okay, and Andrew Heaney uh, was set to make his start today. I haven't looked at the box score, but things tell me that he didn't do very well. He has not done very well for the Angels. Um, he is listed, according to Roster Resource on Fangraphs, as their fourth starting pitcher in the rotation. So, why Andrew Heaney? It was kind of a surprise that the Angels traded Andrew Heaney and that he went to the Yankees. Well, the Yankees are looking. We're looking for back end, uh, back end starter help with Corey Kluber being out, and you know they're just looking for that solid back end starter. And the Angels shop Andrew Heaney much like. Uh, probably in the same situation as the A's with Jesus Lazardo, which I'm going to get to when I talk to the AOS. When I talk about the AOS, the Angels have had Andrew Heaney for a very long time, and I followed him very closely because I am an Angels fan. He has shown bits of greatness. He has there are times he has shown to be a great top of the line starting pitcher, but then there are a number of times where he has gone out and dropped a big old fat egg. And has not done very well. This season, I believe he has over a 6 ERA. He has been very, very inconsistent. He has a great curveball, but that's all he's got. Right? He doesn't have a great fastball. And now that he has a, he does have a great curveball, but when you're a one-dimensional pitcher, especially when you throw a breaking ball, it's really, really hard to be good in baseball. So I think Andrew Heaney is a good candidate for he needs a change of scenery in order to become a good pitcher. So the Yankees might be a good fit for him. And the Angels, there, and I'm going to talk about it when I get to the Angels, their philosophy for this draft, because in all 12 rounds of the draft, they drafted pitchers, and seems like with the trade deadline, they did nothing but trade for pitchers. So they are just buying and trading for pitchers in bulk and hoping that one sticks. So Jansen Junk and Elvis Paguero are two of those pitchers that the Angels are hoping to stick for the future. So that is that. And then another fantastic trade I think that the Yankees had was they traded for first baseman Anthony Rizzo from the Cubs for, and this is why I think this is a great trade, for Alexander Vizcaino, a right-handed pitcher, and outfielder Kevin Alcantara. So Anthony Rizzo has had a great season. 
or has had a pretty decent season. Not elite, but not terrible. He's had a great season. He's still got some thump in the bat, and he's got some contact. He's also a left-handed hitter. He's going to appreciate the short porch in right field at Yankee Stadium very much. And he's already produced for the Yankees. He's been hitting homers for the Yankees and really has been the only good thing for the Yankees offense in the last few days. So why is this a good trade? Because they didn't have to give away, and this is what was brilliant for Brian Cashman, was he didn't give away very many of his top prospects. He wanted to keep the Clark Schmitz um, and the Andrew Volps and all of those people his top his top prospects. Okay, which is a main reason why, even though Trevor Story was widely connected to the Yankees, he didn't, Trevor Story was not traded to the Yankees, which I'm going to go on my rant on the Rockies when I get to the NL West. They didn't trade for Trevor Story because the Rockies were asking for elite top prospects, especially from the Yankees. They were asking for all of their top prospects. The Yankees didn't want it. The Rockies stayed at their pro- stayed at that price, so the Yankees didn't trade for him. So they went to Anthony Rizzo when they heard that Anthony Rizzo was was um, available for the Cubs, and he he got in my mind a better bat this season. That's left-handed and a solid option at first base. Sorry, Luke Voigt, you lost your job for cheaper than what the Rockies were asking for for Trevor Story. Great get by the Yankees. Also, another get by the Yankees, a blockbuster. They traded the Rangers. They have Joey, they got Joey Gallo, their all-star outfielder, and Joely Rodriguez, a right-handed pitcher, who is set to be in their bullpen and cash considerations for four prospects. Second baseman Ezekiel Duran, shortstop Josh Smith, infielder outfielder Trevor Hover, and right-handed pitcher Glenn Otto. Again, not very, you know, they're good prospects, but they're not very, they're not the top prospects, okay? And Joey Gallo, especially, is a great boost in the outfield in terms of defense, although it seems like they're doubling down on these big, beefy dudes that can hit homers and strike out a lot. So now you have people like Gallo, Stanton, Judge, uh, you have Urshela, you have Gary Sanchez, those people like that that are big boppers but strike out a lot. Joey Gallo is just another one of that. If you're looking for big boppers that strike out a lot, Joey Gallo's picture is in the dictionary of that, okay? So they got a great bat. They got a lot of thump. So good on that. They got some better defense. They don't really have a true center fielder anymore, but if they get Aaron Hicks back healthy, maybe he'll uh, patrol center field. Um, but for right now, it looks like there there might be in the future some of the biggest outfield that you'll ever see in Stanton, Gallo, and Judge. And Gallo, for people that don't know, has won a gold glove for right field. And Aaron Judge is a pretty good right fielder in his own right and above average fielder. So they got a pretty good return for Gallo. And then they have another bullpen guy. They needed help in their bullpen. They got another good bullpen guy and didn't have to give up that big elite prospect, which is very good. And some subsequential moves that they did that really cleared the salary um, to make way for Joey Gallo and, you know, get some other bullpen arms up. Um, They traded um, 
They traded right-handed pitchers from the bullpen, Luis Sessa and Justin Wilson, to the Reds for a player to be named later. Again, another great idea, clearing salary for those big for those big guys. And then they traded Clay Holmes to the Pirates for an infielder, Diego Castillo, and infielder, Hoy Park, who Hoy Park is going to be in the MLB on the bench, and Diego Castillo is in the minor system. So overall, great trade deadline for the Yankees. Does it really move the needle in terms of where they are in the in the uh, playoff race? Are they going to overtake the Rays? Are they over going to take the? Are they going to take over the Blue Jays? Are they going to take over the Red Sox? I don't know. That's up in the air. I think it could be a flip of a coin. But you got a better fielding outfield. You got a better option at first base. You got some more power, and then you got a better contact option at first base as well. So overall, I think it was a great trade deadline for the Yankees. Very nice job, Brian Cashman. Uh, Up next, we're going to go to the Red Sox. The Red Sox really didn't do much. Um, Their big thing was they, their big trade was they received Kyle Schwarber from the Nationals for right-handed pitcher Aldo Ramirez. Um, So that's pretty much it. That's an upgrade in the right, in in the outfield. When Kyle Schwarber comes back, I'm sure he's going to mash in Fenway Park. Um, maybe because he's a lefty, so it may be a little hard for him to hit homers, but it's an upgrade in the outfield. Nonetheless, I would have liked to seen the Red Sox pick up better pitching besides picking up Hansel Robles from the twins and Austin Davis from the pirates. They got, you know, their better bullpen options. I would have liked to have seen them get a starter. Um, so that because the starters, are still a little shaky. You have Nathan Eovaldi, who's having a great season, but kind of slipping up a little bit lately. And then after Eovaldi, you have Eduardo Rodriguez, who's shaky, Nick Pavetta, who's doing okay. But you have Chris Sale coming back, but it would have been really nice to see Chris Sale coupled with somebody like, a, I don't know, a Max Scherzer, maybe a Kyle Gibson, a Jose Barrios, somebody like that so that when you go into the playoffs, you kind of have more of a formidable rotation. When you look at the Red Sox rotation, it's not really scary in terms of postseason rotations. Adding Chris Sale will be a huge boost, but who knows? Chris Sale can come back and not be the Chris Sale that we know of the past. Hopefully he does because he's on one of my fantasy teams, but that's something else to be talked about at a later date. Hopefully for the Red Sox, Chris Sale comes through and Nathan Eovaldi also continues to have a good season. But right now, I would have liked to have seen the Red Sox get another pitcher, uh, get a starting pitcher. Let's go to the Blue Jays. The Toronto Blue Jays were also very busy. They acquired their big trade. They they acquired Jose Barrios from the Twins, but they gave up a lot to trade to get Barrios. So they traded for Jose Barrios. They traded away their number two prospect, shortstop outfielder. Austin Martin, and they traded away, uh, they also traded away Simeon Woods Richardson, who is also in the top 100 in the MLB pipeline and top prospects. So it was Austin Martin. He's number 15. Uh, Simeon Woods Richardson is ranked number 67 in the top 100. So they gave away quite a bit for Jose Barrios. So, you know, Barrios is a good compliment to Robbie Ray who's having a great season. You also have Hyunjin Ryu there. So you've got three solid pitchers right now. And I watched uh, Alec 
uh, Manoa, I believe is his name, pitched the other day. He's got a fantastic slider. Um, looks really good. His fastball looks really good. Got a great slider. He's a young guy. And he could be a solid back-end rotate, uh, back-end starting pitcher for them. So they might set up to have a good starting pitching. But again, they gave up a lot. They also boosted their bullpen, trading the Diamondbacks, uh, trading for Joaquin Soria of the Diamondbacks, who's a good, solid reliever who's been around for a long time, for two players to be named later. They also traded uh, Brad Hand from the Nationals for catcher Riley Adams. Uh, They got TJ Zook from the Cardinals for cash considerations and Joel Payamps from the uh, Royals for cash considerations. So they boosted their pitching, but they gave away a lot. So in terms of giving away a lot, I also looked on fan graphs and looked at the farm rankings, looked at the farm system rankings, okay? So before the draft and the trade deadline, the Blue Jays, were ranked one, two, three, four, fifth in terms of the best farm systems in the game. After the trade deadline in the draft, the Jays have fallen 12 spots to the 17th best. So they gave up a lot for this pitching that they're looking for this pitching staff that they have now. So hopefully this pitching staff works out and with their young batting core. Hopefully it works out because they had to give up, like I said, they had to give up a lot to get Jose Barrios. Moving on to the Tampa Bay Rays. The Tampa Bay Rays were also very, very busy. Um, Their best get is, we've already talked about it, they got Nelson Cruz from the Twins. Nelson Cruz and Calvin Foucher, I should say, from the Twins. Calvin Foucher went to AA. He's, a, he's listed according to Roster Resource on Fangraphs as a relief pitcher. For Joe Ryan and Drew Strokeman, um, they also received Jordan Luplau, a good hitting outfielder, but not a great defensive outfielder. So it'll be interesting to see um, where they put him right now. He's at the AAA system. And they also got DJ Johnson from the Indians. Uh, he slides in into their major league bullpen for Peyton Battenfield, who is going to be ranked in the Indian system as well. Uh, they also grabbed Sean Armstrong from the Orioles, uh, JT Chargois from the Mariners, um, and Austin Shenton from the Mariners. So JT Chargois becomes their closer, the Rays' closer, because they flipped their closer, Diego Castillo, for Chargois and Austin Shenton, who becomes their number 22 prospect in the system. So it'll be interesting to see because that, that was a surprise to me. Diego Castillo is a very reliable pitcher in the back end. He's a very good pitcher. So it'll be interesting to see how Chargois compares to Diego Castillo and if Shenton can perform in the future. Right now he's at double A. They also traded for uh, Tommy Hunter and Matt Dyers to get rid of Rich Hill. But again, like I talked about um, last episode, a couple episodes ago maybe, I think that was to make room for pitcher, their younger pitchers that are forcing the issue like Shane Baz. Uh, So that was probably to make room for their major league lineup. And like I said, other than the Nelson Cruz get, it really was a bunch of smaller moves. Uh, the Rays are looking good, but, you know, and they're the Rays. They're a thorn in everybody's side. So we shall see how that performs. And 
their farm system is loaded, so they could have probably made better trades, but they're the Rays. They don't really go after the bigger guys. They were connected to a lot of the bigger guys, but I didn't think they were going to get that. They're actually the best farm system in the MLB. So if this doesn't work, they've got enough studs in their farm system that they could probably still compete later on. So overall, kind of a eh, uh, trade deadline for the Rays. Uh, and then the Orioles really didn't do much. They traded away Freddie Galvis. Uh, they reunited him with the Phillies for a high A relief pitcher named Tyler Birch. And then they traded away relief pitcher Sean, Sean Armstrong for cash considerations. So overall, the AL East was very, very busy. It'll be very interesting to see after the trade deadline how the four teams competing for that, the Yankees, Red Sox, Blue Jays, and Rays, how they really shake up after the trade deadline. Let's move to the AL West. The AL West, they were all about the same. They all about made the same number of trades, about two or three trades. So like I said earlier, the Angels, let's go to the Angels. So the Angels, their strategy for the last month or so when it comes to the draft and the trade deadline is let's get as many pitchers as we can and hope some of them stick because they traded Andrew Heaney and Cash, which I already told you may be a change of scenery thing, for Jansen Junk and Elvis Paguero, who are the number 21 and the number who become the number 21 and number 22 prospects in their system, and they're both at Double A Rocket City. So that'll be interesting to see if those stick because they are one of their higher prospects. Um, another one they traded left-handed relief pitcher Tony Watson to the Giants for three prospects: Jose Marte, a right-handed pitcher from the Giants, he went to Double A. Ivan Armstrong went to A-ball. He's a right-handed pitcher. And Sam Selman, who made his Angels debut the other day, did pretty decent. He's in there. He is sliding into their struggling bullpen. And then earlier, uh, about halfway into July, they traded away right-handed pitcher Dylan Peterson to the Pirates for cash, Um, which, again, that's probably one of those, like, moving into you know, trying to get other people on the 40-man roster to not lose them through the 40-man draft. The future of the Angels may be coming up. Reed Detmers just made his debut. He was ranked in the top 100. He was the number two prospect in the Angels system. He made his MLB debut yesterday. Kind of got rocked around. Did six, uh, Gave up six runs in four innings. Really only had two mistakes. So, He's been rocking it in the AAA, in the AA AAA this year. He didn't have a great debut, but that kid's got a bright future. We'll see how that goes. Let's move on to the leader of the uh, AL West division, the Astros. The Astros didn't do much. They pretty much just got uh, some pitching. Um, Their biggest get was they boosted their the back end of their bullpen. Uh, They got Kendall Graveman from the Mariners. Um, Kendall Graveman and Rafael Montero from the Mariners. Graven becomes their closer, and Montero, excuse me, Montero becomes or slides into their bullpen as well for Abraham Toro and Joe Smith, who was struggling a little bit this year. Uh, that is that was a point of contention for the Mariners. We'll talk about them in a minute. Uh, they also received Yimi Garcia, uh, the better, you know, a established. Back end bullpen guy for the Marlins. He becomes their he becomes the Astros' eighth inning setup man for right-handed pitcher Austin Pruitt and outfielder 
Brian De La Cruz. And then they also traded away their bench outfielder, Miles Straw, the speedy Miles Straw, for Phil Maton, uh, or to the Indians anyway, for Phil Maton, a right-handed pitcher, and then Yiner Diaz, a catcher, who becomes their number 29 prospect. So, should be interesting. Maton went to their relief system, went to the MLB, and Yiner Diaz went to their A club. So, should be pretty interesting to see how the Astros compete. They have the number one offense. Miles Straw is really, he's a speedy player. You know, he should probably get get on base more, but his speed makes him uh, worth something. And they have the Astros have too many bats um, for Miles Straw to sit on the bench. So they flipped him, and they established the back end of their bullpen. The A's. The A's, again, really didn't do much. Nothing all that great. They got Andrew Chafin from the Cubs. Um, slides in to their rotation for Greg Diekman and Daniel Placencia. We've already kind of talked about that. They traded for Jan Gomes and Josh Harrison from the Nationals for three prospects, Drew Melius, Seth Schumann, and Richard uh, Gouache. But the big trade that they got was they traded Starling Marte, or they traded for, they got Starling Marte from the Marlins for Jesus Lazardo, their right-handed pitcher. Jesus Lazardo was really billed for to be a top-end elite pitcher and a soon-to-be ace for the A's. He's come up and hasn't really performed to what he... He's much like Andrew Heaney was for the Angels. He was supposed to be their ace, was supposed to be very good, and he just hasn't clicked. And it's been a few years, and he just hasn't clicked. So he's another candidate that probably... I wouldn't I wouldn't say the A's gave up on Jesus Lazardo, but I think they just figured he's not developing with us. He's not going to be what he was billed to be with us. Let's flip him and see if we can go up against the Astros and maybe have a better outfield, which they did. They got Starling Marte. Starling Marte is a very good player. He's quietly a very good player. He's not very showy, but he's a very all-around player that could do it all. He hits for average. He hits for power. He has great defense out in the outfield. He's got speed out there, and he he's a great all-around player. So now he either replaces Mitch Moreland or he can you know, patrol the outfield with Canna and Loriano. That becomes an instantly better outfielder. They instantly improve their lineup with Starling Marte. So it'll be very interesting to see how the A's compete with the Astros with this bat. Even though they didn't have a stellar deadline, they picked up a good bat. So, you know, overall an eh. Does it move the needle a whole lot for the A's? Maybe not. They're probably going to get maybe a wild card but nonetheless they're going to still compete they still they're still a good ball club and they they're much like the rays they're a thorn in everybody's side let's go to the mariners so there's a lot to be said for the mariners because they traded the astros they traded Kendall Graveman and Rafael Montero to the astros for third baseman Abraham Toro and relief pitcher Joe Smith This was a very, very heated trade. This was a very controversial trade in the Mariners' system. Um, An article came out that 
Mariners players were very, very upset that Kendall Graveman got traded. The things were destroyed in the clubhouse, furniture was thrown, players were crying, players were very obviously upset, and players came out and made anonymous quotes speaking out against Jerry Topoto, the general manager, about how he just sits up in his suite and plays fantasy baseball and does not care about winning. Uh, Jerry Topoto came out and said that it was all part of a bigger plan. We're going to make a whole bunch of moves, so just sit tight. There was a reason why we traded Kendall Graveman. So they came out after trading Kendall Graveman and traded for the traded for Diego Castillo from the Rays for JT Chargois and Austin Shenton. So essentially they replaced Graveman with Diego Castillo and then they traded uh, they traded for Tyler Anderson from the Pirates. He becomes their uh, number three starting pitcher for catcher Carter Bins and right-handed pitcher Joaquin Tejada. So I'm a little confused with the Mariners. The Mariners are one of those where I think they're overplaying or they're overperforming a little bit. I don't think they're as good as their record says. They are in the thick of a playoff race. They're in the thick of getting a wild card. They're very close to for that second wild card. The problem is I don't know if they have the players to get there. They are certainly doing well, and they had a great back end of the bullpen. They certainly had they had clutch hitting. They were doing all the right things, winning run one run games, winning extra inning games, and I just think they're overperforming. They're not as good as I think their record shows. But they're in that weird, they're in that weird middle ground where do you just go for it? Do you go get those players that are essential for you to make that playoff push? Or do you sell and look to get more prospects? to maybe set up a even better ball club. So I looked at their farm ranking and the Mariners right now are they're the fifth best. So they have a the fifth best farm system. So they're a good they have good young players coming up that need to be established. The you know Jared Kalenix and people like that need to get established in the big leagues. They're in that weird middle ground. So on one hand I could see why the players were upset, but this is why the players don't make front office decisions because they get attached to their friends in the clubhouse. But what I'm also confused at is Jerry DePoto said there was going to be a bunch of moves and there wasn't a bunch of moves. And then later on he said, well, we tried and it didn't work out. You don't come out to the media and say, we're going to make a ton of moves and then not make any moves and then say, oh, well, we tried, but the market wasn't right. You need to do one or the other. So I don't think that Jerry Topoto really believes in this Mariner system right now. I think that club, that organization, needs to change the way they think about their organization because they are set to have very good players coming up. But if their organization has the wrong mentality, they're going to lose out on these great players and they're going to turn into another Rockies. Okay, they're going to just turn into a terrible organization. 
So it'll be interesting to see how the Mariners play out. There's a lot of interesting teams, and the Mariners are one of those. I ultimately, I don't think they get into the playoffs, which is why I think they move Kendall Graveman. Kendall Graveman is a con, is a converted starter going to the bullpen and became a closer. He's become a much better bullpen guy, but he's had a uncharacteristically great season this year. So they sold high on him and and got younger and got Abraham Toro, who turns out to be or who could turn out to be a pretty good little third baseman for them. So that's that for the Mariners. They're very confusing. Ultimately, I don't think they make the playoffs this year, but they are set up to have a very good team in a couple of years, in a year or two. Moving on to the Rangers. So the Rangers are, are in definite sell mode. So they made two big trades. They traded Kyle Gibson, Ian Kennedy, and Hans Kraus, all right-handed pitchers, for to the Phillies for... Spencer Howard, who was uh, a highly touted prospect a couple years ago, hasn't done very well with the Phillies. He's another change of scenery candidate, probably will benefit him very well. He slides into the long relief pitcher and could set up to be a starter for the Rangers in the long run once a spot kind of fills up for him. They also get Kevin Gowdy and take him to the high A, and then they get Joss Gessner as well, who, who goes to A ball. So they're looking for younger guys, looking for younger pitchers, and they probably weren't going to re-sign Kyle Gibson or Ian Kennedy, and this is kind of the MO for the Rangers lately. They kind of get these players that were on the bubble, they were okay, and then they kind of polish them up, turn them into great people, and then flip them for prospects. So, you know, I think uh, the Rangers might be one of those where they're just looking for that person, right? They're trying to rebuild, which is why they made this next trade as well. They traded Joey Gallo to the Yankees, Joey Gallo and Joely Rodriguez for the Yankees. This is the one that netted them a lot of prospects. So they get Ezekiel Duran, who's a second baseman. He becomes their number eight prospect in the system. He went to high A. Josh Smith, their shortstop. He or The shortstop, he becomes... Their number seven prospect, and he went to high A ball. Trevin, Trevor Halver, the infielder, outfielder, he goes to the, he becomes their number eighteen prospect and went to their uh, high A. And Glenn Otto is their number twenty five prospect and went to Triple A. Okay, so they have four new prospects that are set to have good careers on top of Spencer Howard, who has the ability to be a good starter. So they have a good future going for them. And that's what those trades were about. So overall, good trade deadline for the Rangers. That concludes the AL West. Let's move over to the AL Central. So the AL Central, again, some of them were very busy. Others were not. Let's move to the White Sox, who overall, I think had a pretty good deadline. They essentially doubled down on their strength, which is their bullpen, the back end of their bullpen. There's been a lot of questions this year about whether Tony La Russa is a good enough manager for this type of baseball. There's no doubt he's a Hall of Fame manager, 
Obviously, he won World Series with the A's. He's won World Series with the Cardinals. But baseball is different now that Tony La Rus- uh, since Tony Larusa last managed. So, so there's a lot of questions over whether he knows how to manage a bullpen, whether he's a good playoff manager this year, so on and so forth. Well, it's kind of one one solution to that problem is just collect as many good relievers as you can. That way, you don't have to worry about managing a bullpen. So. What I mean by that is they get Craig Kimbrell from the Cubs to be sort of another closer with Liam Hendricks, and they traded away second baseman Nick Madrigal, who's out for the season, and right-handed pitcher Cody Hewer. They also tra- uh, traded up with the Cubs for uh, their setup man, Ryan Tapera. He becomes their setup man back there, and they traded for Bailey Horn. They also traded for second baseman Cesar Hernandez, which is, a, which is an established second base option. He's good contact hitter. He'll get on base for you. He's a good little second baseman. He's a good replacement for Nick Madrigal. They were having to do a patchwork second base job. They didn't really have a true second baseman. Cesar Hernandez is a good true second base. They only tra- and they traded away Connor Pilkington, a left-handed pitcher. And then they also got a catcher by the name of Davey Gruyon from the Rays for cash and moved him to the AAA system. So overall, they doubled down on their strength, their bullpen. They have a great starting pitching uh, rotation in Carlos Rodon, Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito is really their worst pitcher this year. So they got a they got they they got a starting rotation going for them. They got a great lineup in the former AL MVP of Jose Abreu. Um, they've got Eloy Jimenez has come back. Luis Robert is supposed to come back on top of having Tim Anderson and people like that. So hopefully their offense starts to come back. You're looking maybe for almost an almost full-strength White Sox. Maybe Yasmani Grandal starts to come back and really settle back in for in the catching position. Their problem is depth. Depth is their problem. They have a they have a great MLB starting lineup, but their their farm system and their bench is not that great. After the trade deadline and the draft, the White Sox have gone from having the 17th best farm system to having the worst farm system in the MLB. So... It's going to be very, very tough for the White Sox to establish a continuing clubhouse mentality of being great. It's going to be tough because they don't have anybody behind Tim Anderson. They don't have anybody behind Jose Abreu. They don't have anybody behind Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Yasmani Grandal. They don't have anybody. So this may be their push to try and win... And hopefully, by the time their World Series window goes out the door, they kind of have enough young prospects to rebuild. But right now, they don't. So hopefully, the White Sox kind of turn it around in a depth category. That's their weakness is depth. So overall, it was kind of a meh. It's kind of a meh trade deadline for the Red Sox or for the White Sox, but. 
they they have one probably the one of the best bullpens in the MLB. They already have a great starting rotation and a great starting lineup. If they can get everybody back to full strength and nobody gets hurt, they're going to be tough to beat. So we'll see what ha- we'll see what happens. Um, the Indians. Okay, yes, I'm going to call them the Indians until next season. We might as well hold on to baseball history while it is still here. Um, they are not going to be the Guardians until next year, so I'm just going to call them the Indians for right now. Um, they traded away Eddie Rosario for Pablo Sandoval, who they subsequently released. So basically, they just traded away Eddie Rosario uh, to the Braves, I believe. Um, yeah, they traded him away to the Braves. So what I think this move was for is to probably get their younger outfielders up to the MLB. You have people like Eddie Rosario who are just kind of in the way of their younger guys. And the Indians have obvious holes and are not really going to go anywhere. They're not really competing. They're not going to win any playoff games. So why not trade it away and get your younger guys some experience? And they have a very good farm system coming up. According to Fangraphs, they are ranked the after the draft and the trade deadline. They didn't move anywhere. They're ranked the sixth best farm system. So they've got some studs down in the minors. So... Have your more have your more developed young guys come up and see what they can do. Give them some MLB experience and try and start over and go back for the World Series. Uh, the Tigers, they didn't do much. All they did was trade their uh, right-handed pitcher Daniel Norris to the Tigers. Or I'm sorry, they traded away um, Daniel Norris for a right-handed pitcher named Reese Olson. He becomes their number 13 prospect. So I'm just kind of go. I'm just gonna kind of sm- go over, slide over the Tigers because they didn't do much and they're not going to compete. Um, let's go to the Royals. The Royals hold on to their second baseman Whit Merrifield. They're gonna stick to their guns with Whit Merrifield and hope for the best. Um, that was probably their best trade chip was Whit Merrifield and. They didn't trade him, but they did make some trades. They traded away Jorge Soler to the Braves for uh, for a right-handed pitcher named Casey Kalich. He becomes their number 24 prospect in the system. He goes to low, to low A. They also trade away Danny Duffy to the Dodgers for a player to be named later. And then they traded away, or they got Joel Payamps from the Blue Jays for cash considerations. He goes to their AAA system as well. Royals is another one. They didn't really do much this this uh, trade deadline, so I'm going to kind of go over them. The Twins were actually pretty busy and got some prospects. Um, they traded away Jose Barrios, which they probably could have held on to Jose Barrios if they really wanted to because they still have pieces to be a good ball club. But I guess trading, trading the card or trading for trading with the Blue Jays was they must have blown blown them away with this offer. They traded, uh, they got back Austin Martin, who's a shortstop. We've already talked about this in Simeon Woods Richardson. He they 
he becomes their they become their number two and number four prospect in the system respectively and uh, Austin Martin is the number 15 out of the top 100 MLB prospects and Simeon Woods, Woods Richardson is number 67 so you got two top 100 prospects for Jose Barrios must have blown him away with that so they traded him away uh, they also flipped Jay Happ to the Cardinals for some reason and what is probably a very Cardinals move they get an older pitcher to be in the back end of their bullpen uh, and they tri- and they got John Gant who becomes a relief pitcher for them and left-handed pitcher Aaron Sisk or Evan Sisk I'm sorry who goes to their double A system they also uh traded uh traded away Al- or they traded away Hansel Hansel Robles for Alex Scherf who goes to their double A system and then they traded the Rays Nelson Cruz for Joe Ryan and Drew Strotman, who become their number eight and number 15 prospect, respectively, and both go to the AAA system. So overall, you now have four new top 15 prospects in your system for essentially two players, and then you get some younger talent down in the minors. So overall, they kind of replenish their farm system. The Twins' farm system still isn't great. They actually, after the... Even though they gained two top 100 prospects after the draft and the trade deadline, they drop seven spots in the rankings to just lie outside the top 10 for the 11th best uh, farm system. So overall, the Twins are another one of those. They could have gone either way. No, they're not doing very well this year, but like I said, they still had pieces to be a good ball team and compete in 2022, but they liked the offers from the Rays and the and the Blue Jays. So that concludes the AL Central and the AL all together. Um, let's move to the NL Central. So and so we're gonna stay central, but go to the National League. Uh, the Brewers had a very boring sort of trade deadline and I mean they got John Curtis from the Marlins which is great they also got Daniel Norris from the Tigers for Reese Olsen and they also got their big get was trading for Eduardo Escobar um, from the Diamondbacks he slides into their third base uh, slot and they traded away uh, two prospects Cooper Hummel and Alberto Cyprian so establishes their offense a little bit which they need but overall again kind of a very boring trade deadline for the brewers uh they're probably going to win this division because this division is very soft with the cardinals not being great the cubs in their fire sale the pirates being the terrible pirates that they are and the reds not really doing any doing anything over the course of this um trade deadline the brewers are going to win this or probably going to win this division but they they're not world series contenders i don't think so overall pretty boring for the brewers and the reds so the reds actually traded with the rockies twice which happens to be the only trades that the rockies did and neither one of these trades involve anybody named trevor story trevor story is still on the rockies in some miracle fashion or maybe the front office for the rockies are just a bunch of idiots maybe that's pretty much what i think that's 
more likely what it is. You know, the front, whoever is on, whoever's in the Rockies, whoever's left anyway in the Rockies system because most of them quit last year, whoever's in the front office needs to be fired from the Rockies because this was the worst trade deadline from the Rockies from any major league team that I have ever seen in my short tenure of watching baseball. I'm 26 years old. That was the worst performance at the trade deadline I have ever seen. So my mind, and I'm probably going to go on another rant, but the Rockies deserve the superlative of being the worst franchise in the MLB. At least people like the Pirates and the Cubs and people like the, and the Nationals, they're either trying or they have things in place to be good in the future. The Rockies have got nothing. They suck. I need a soundboard with a button that says, you suck, because that describes the Rockies. Anyway, we're going to get to the Rockies here in a minute. But the Reds, again, they traded with the Rockies twice. Um trading cash for um, for Ashton Goudeau. They send him to the Rockies. They also get Michael Givens from the Rockies. He slides into their setup man for two pitchers named Casey Williams and Noah Davis, who again are really no, but they're not ranked anywhere. They It was a very unspectacular trade. Uh, they got Luis Sessa and Justin Wilson from the... Yankees both went to their bullpen for a player to be named later, and they also traded cash for the Mets. Uh, they also traded cash to the Mets for Mark Payton. So, or they traded away Mark Payton for cash. So again, probably more getting prospects that they would like on the forty-man roster on the forty-man roster, not lose them to the Rule Five draft. Very unspectacular trade deadline for the Reds. Uh, let's go to the Cardinals. Another very boring Cardinals-like trade deadline. For whatever reason, they traded for John Lester from the Nationals for an outfielder named Lane Thomas. He becomes their number five starting pitcher. But wait, it gets better. They get Jay Hay Happ from the Twins, who becomes their number four starting pitcher and cash for right-handed pitchers John Gantz and Evan Sisk. And then they traded away or they got TJ Zook from the Blue Jays for cash. So they got two back-end starters, but it wasn't anything spectacular. John Lester's had a great career, but he's not going to blow anybody away anymore. And J.A. Happ is J.A. Happ. He's not anything spectacular. So three three NL Central teams had very boring trade deadlines, which is why, again, this this... Going into this season, I knew the NL Central was going to be very soft, and it proves to be very soft. The Reds aren't at all what everybody thought they were going to be, and I didn't think they were going to be that great either. So, you know, it's playing out like I thought. The Brewers are going to win, and everybody else just kind of treads water. Let's get to the most exciting part of the NL Central. The Cubs, the Chicago Cubs went on a fire sale. So anybody that was of any value on the Cubs system is now no longer a Cub. They are somewhere else. So let's just get into this. So they traded away Chris Bryant to the to the Giants, which I don't really care for this trade. So you have Alexander Canario... That he gets, they get Alexander Canario, who's an outfielder, and Caleb Killian from 
the Giants, and they become the number seven prospect and the number 16 prospect in their system, respectfully. Honestly, I think they could have gotten a better return for Chris Bryant, but who knows? We I wasn't in the I wasn't in the war rooms. So maybe because he's had a very he had a great start to the season and then didn't have a wasn't doing great going into the trade deadline, so maybe that hurt his value a little bit and it's in his walk year, so he's more of a rental anyway, so maybe that also diminished his value. I don't know. So we'll see, but they did end up getting some great trades overall. Um, they traded away Javier Baez, their shortstop, to the Mets. I'm sorry, Mets. <laughs> you got to go deal with Javier Baez's problems now. And Trevor Williams, who's a right-handed pitcher, and Cash for Pete Crow Armstrong, who becomes their number six prospect in the Cubs system. He goes to their A-ball club. So Baez, is, Baez had said that the only way that he would not play shortstop is if he got to play with Francisco Lindor for the Mets. Power to the media. They, I, I think the media influenced this trade and they really got it going. And Baez is now a Met. So there you go, Mets. Have fun with that strikeout problem. Um, so there's that. I don't know why. When you are, you have a team who has offensive problems, yeah, Baez has got some pop in his bat, but it's no secret. Baez strikes out a lot, and he's not having a great year this year. So, whatever. Power to the Cubs. I think they got the better end of that deal. They got a they got a top prospect in their system. They also received Nick Madrigal and Cody Hewer from the White Sox, who becomes their closer. For they essentially swapped closers. Uh, because they traded away Craig Kimbrell for this. Very good move, and I'm going to elaborate on the Cubs here in a minute. Let me get to all of the trades here. They also traded Jake Marisnik to the Padres for right-handed pitcher Adrian Espinoza, Anderson Espinoza, I'm sorry. He goes to their high A system. They also received Alexander Vizcaino and Kevin Alcantara from the Yankees, to, for Anthony Rizzo. Vizcaino becomes their number seven prospect, and Alcantara becomes their number 11 prospect. Um, they also grabbed Bailey Horn from the White Sox for White, for Ryan Tapera. Uh, they, and then they also grabbed Greg Diekman and Daniel Palencia from the A's. Diekman becomes their number 20 prospect in the system. Uh, Diekman goes to triple A, Daniel Placencia goes to low A, and then finally, earlier in the, earlier in July, they traded away Jock Peterson to the Braves for first baseman Bryce Ball. Overall, brilliant. What a great trade deadline for the Cubs. There are many, many Cubs fans that are very, very upset that all of their core is gone. Baez is gone. Kimbrell is gone. Rizzo's gone, Bryant's gone, they're all gone. And very and a lot of Cub fans are very, very upset. Listen, Cub fans, that's a short-sighted way to think of this. You have a core who is no longer performing. Yes, 2016 was great. We were all glad that you guys ended your 108 world 108-year World Series drought. But after that, it was done. The Cubs lineup was very homogenous. And what I mean by that is you had a lot of players 
who relied on the home run, relied on the extra bases, and didn't care whether they struck out. They were very homogenous and very easy to pitch to, which is why you were seeing all of those problems, all those offensive problems. So you, so Jed Hoyer sells anybody that has any value, and they had they got a total of one, two, three, uh, four, five. They got five top, uh, six top prospects. And you're looking at, so six top prospects that are now on the top 30 in their system. And you're looking at one, two, three, um, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You're looking at 10 new prospects and six of them jump into your top 30 in the system. So... 60% of what you just got are top prospects. You're looking to the future. You're looking to win more World Series in the future. You were not going to go back to the playoffs and win the World Series with that core. It was great in 2016. It's not anymore. Look at the bigger picture. Don't get mad at Jed Hoyer. Jed Hoyer did a fantastic trade deadline. The only trade that I really didn't care for was I thought he could have gotten more out of Chris or for Chris Bryant, but... Oh, well, right? You can't get them all right. But, and on top of that, you get Nick Madrigal. Now, Nick Madrigal's hurt this year, but Nick Madrigal is, does not fit the bill of the recent Cubs offensive strategy. He gets on base. He hits for contact. He sprays the ball all over the field. He's going to get on base. That's what you're looking for. You also, on top of people like Patrick Wisdom, Nico Horner, all those younger guys that are getting on base. Cubs fans, you will be amazed as to what happens when you have a team who puts the ball in play. Ask the World Series winning Royals. They know all about it. When you put the ball in play, magical things happen. Moving balls are scary. Okay, Moving balls mean that people get on base. So you got to hit the ball. You can't just strike out. So Cubs fans, look at look to the future. Don't look for right now. You weren't going to compete. Get over yourself. Okay? So let's go to the Pirates. The Pirates also had a very busy... They also had a very busy deadline, but they really didn't gain anything in my mind. They didn't really gain anything all that fantastic. They gained... A fifth level, uh, a, a number five starter in Bryce Wilson from the Braves. And they also got Ricky DeVito in that deal, uh, who is a right-handed pitcher. He goes to the high A system for Richard Rodriguez, who was a relief pitcher. Uh, they got Michael Chavis from the Red Sox, who had a great season one year. And that was about it. They traded away Austin Martin. Uh, they tr- They got a catcher from the Phillies. Goes to their low A, Abraham Gutierrez, for a right-handed pitcher, Braden Ogle. Really, their best get here is they get Carter Bins from the Mariners for Tyler Anderson. So that, that trade was interesting. I know you guys remember in earlier episodes, Tyler, Ander, Tyler Anderson was supposed to go to the Phillies. He actually failed his medicals. The medicals didn't, the Phillies did not like his medicals. So 
they redid the deal for the Mariners. Uh, they also got a couple of prospects from uh, the Yankees for Clay Holmes. And probably their biggest get was when they traded away um, traded away Adam Frazier to the Padres for uh, Tucapita Mercano. So he is their number seven prospect. He's already made an MLB debut. He has about 30 at-bats in the MLB. He goes to their AAA system. So look for Tucapita to make an impact early in his tenure with the Pirates. You also get Jack Suwinski and Mitchell Miliano, and then they also get Dylan Peters from the Angels for cash. So overall, they traded, but they didn't get anybody of any substantial value. They only got two top, you know, they only got two prospects to go into their top 30, but when you look at their farm, okay, the Fangraphs ranks the Pirates as the number three farm system. So they got a lot of young guys coming up that just need to be developed. If the Pirates can figure out a way to somehow not be the Pirates and develop their players into actually good players, the Pirates could compete. We might see the Pirates compete, and guess what? Fans will come. If they play good, they will come. So... Who knows? We'll we'll see what happens there with the Pirates, but overall, not a very exciting trade deadline for the Pirates. With that, we're going to move to the NL East. So the Mets, we already talked about the Mets a little bit. They got Javier Baez. Um, once Francisco Liriano, Francisco Liriano, Francisco Lindor comes back from the injured list, Javier Baez will slide over to third base, and that'll have a more solid third base option other than J.D. Davis and Jeff McNeil. Um, but I don't know. I Hopefully, Baez kind of fixes off offensive woes and not strikes out as much because you're already having a Mets offense that's struggling to produce runs. I don't think Javier Baez did much for that to you. They also traded away a prospect, Pete Crow Armstrong, and received or they traded him for Javier Baez. They got Mark Payton uh, from the Reds for cash. They also received Rich Hill, which again, we've already talked about it. He's a kind of a holdover waiting for Carrasco has come back, but you're waiting for Cindergaard to come back. You're waiting for DeGrom to come back. You're waiting for a number of these pitchers to come back. So Rich Hill's kind of just a holdover. Um, and they traded away Tommy Hunter and Matt Dyer. And then they also made a trade with the Dodgers with nothing of any value though. So the Mets again are going to win this division because you're not really seeing anybody that's going to challenge the Mets, but I don't see again the Mets competing because ah, they just don't have the offense. They have good pitching if they stay on the field, but they just they don't have the pitching. The Braves also had a very un they, they basically traded for a new outfield to try and, I wouldn't say replace Ronald Acuna. You can't, apply, you can't replace Ronald Acuna Jr. But with the, with the departure of Ronald Acuna Jr. and the disappearance of Mar- Marcelo Zuna with all of his legal problems that he's got, they got Jorge Soler from the Royals. They got uh, Adam Duvall from the Marlins. They get Eddie Rosario from the Indians. Uh, they get a new catcher in Stephen Vogt. 
and they get Jock Peterson. So basically, they traded for an outfield. Okay, that's what they were looking for is an outfield because they were low on outfield and Christian Pache is not ready for the big leagues. So really a very un... It was very boring. Um, they also got a pitcher from the Pirates, Richard Rodriguez, but again, he's just a, he's just a relief pitcher. He's not going to do anything. Um, relief pitching is very fickle in the MLB. You know, people relievers will have one one or two great seasons for the most part, and then you'll never see them have a great season ever again. Look at Devin Williams of the Brewers. He had a great season last year and just tanked this year. He hasn't done as great, so. You know, nothing to write home about. The Phillies. The Phillies are a weird team. So the Phillies, they have Bryce Harper long-term, who's having a very good season. He, They have JT Realmuto, one of the best catchers in the major leagues, on both sides of the ball, and he can run. The problem is, after that, it gets a little shaky. You've got an infield who's pretty good at hitting, but is atrocious defensively. You have Andrew McCutcheon, who is aging, but having a good season, but he is aging. You have Reese Hoskins, who hasn't really turned into the Reese Hoskins, I think, that everybody was looking for. But what was really confusing about this was they have an atrocious infield, and they go get the ground ball pitcher in Kyle Gibson. That doesn't make any sense to me. You need to have a good infield to have ground ball pitchers. So, I mean, they got Kyle Gibson who's having a great season, but he thrives on ground balls. So it'll be really interesting to see how that goes. So they got Kyle Gibson, Ian Kennedy, and Hans Kraus from the Rangers. Um, Ian Kennedy becomes their closer, so an upgrade at their bullpen, and Kraus becomes their number four prospect in their system. They trade away Spencer Howard, which we've already talked about, Kevin Gowdy, and Joss Gessner. They also reunited with Freddie Galvis at shortstop. So maybe you have an improvement at shortstop there, but there again, there are four positions in the outfield. So if they don't hit Freddie Galvis, you still have that atrocious infield. Um, And they traded away Tyler Birch, and then they got Braden Ogle, um, from the Pirates for Abraham Gutierrez. So we're going to slide over the Phillies because they didn't really do anything besides get Kyle Gibson, which doesn't make any sense. Um, the Nationals. Let's talk about the Nationals. The Nationals were very, very, very busy this year. Um, they were much like the Cubs. They traded anybody and everybody that they could that, that, that had value. So the big trade, we're also going to talk about it from the Dodgers' perspective, but let's talk about this trade from the Nationals' perspective. You've got, they traded away Max Scherzer and Trey Turner for uh, to the Dodgers for four prospects. You got Kiebert Ruiz, a catcher, who was the number one uh, prospect in the Dodgers system becomes their number one prospect in the Philly system. He's number 40 in all of MLB. He goes to their AAA. You have Josiah Gray, who made his MLB debut earlier this month. He becomes their number two prospect. He's the number 41 prospect in all of MLB. He actually moves up to the MLB as their fifth starting pitcher. So you're already going to see dividends and hope that he does pretty good. You have Gerardo Carrillo, 
who goes to double A as you know as a starting pitcher and Donovan Casey an outfielder who becomes their number 27 prospect in the system and goes to their double A. So you get two top 100 prospects and three top 30 prospects. There are three of those prospects goes into your top 30 for Max Scherzer and Trey Turner who you were not going to resign you weren't going to resign Max Scherzer. He that probably going to be Matt Scherzer's contract is going to go down as one of the greatest long-term deals of all time. But the Nationals were not going to re-sign him. Excuse me. Trey Turner is under control for another season, but it's very obvious that the Nationals had just decided it's time to sell. So they're selling Trey Turner. And there's nothing that says that they can't re-sign Trey Turner after the 2022 season. So we'll see with that. They also received Drew uh, from the... A's. They receive Drew Millis, who is also a catcher, becomes their number 24 prospect. Uh, Seth Schumann, uh, who's a right-handed starting pitcher, and Richard Guash, also a right-handed pitcher for Jan Gomes and Josh Harrison. So Jan Gomes really becomes a helpful backup for the A's for Sean Murphy, who's not producing that that much. So it gives him some gives Sean Murphy some time for rest. And the Nationals get some prospects. Um, somehow they found value in John Lester. They got outfielder Lane Thomas from the Cardinals for John Lester. They traded uh, their relief pitcher Daniel Hudson to the Padres for Mason Thompson and Jordy Barley. Uh, who is a right-handed pitcher and a shortstop, respectively, and they both slide into their top 30, number 16 for Mason Thompson and number 28 for Jordy Barley. And finally, Aldo Ramirez from the Red Sox, who they traded Kyle Schwarber for, becomes their number 11 prospect. He goes to rookie ball. So overall, with all of these trades, let me make sure. Oh, I take that back. I'm sorry. You've got one more trade, another catcher. So you've got three catchers who are now in your top 30. Riley Adams goes to their, uh, from the Blue Jays, goes to the, is number 13 in their system, and they traded him for Brad Hand. So overall, out of all these trades, You've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve prospects. And of those twelve prospects, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of those prospects go into your top 30. So you're looking at almost a third of their top 30 has now changed. That's pretty impressive, okay? That's a really good haul for the Nationals. Great get for the Nationals. Now, they don't have a great farm system as it is. Fangraphs ranks the Nationals farm system at 23rd overall, but that they jumped up from 7th to the worst, or from the worst. So they were the worst, and they jumped up 7 to 23rd. So they're looking to improve their system. Is it great? No, but they're looking to improve it. So great job by the Nationals for going out and trying to get some prospects and develop their talent. Very nice job. Um, and finally, the Marlins did had a very boring uh, trade deadline again. They get Jesus Lazardo from the A's for Starling Marte. Um, they get 
Austin Pruitt, who becomes their middle relief pitcher from the Astros. And they get a prospect, Brian De La Cruz. Um, he's going to start in right field for them. They traded them for Yimi Garcia. And then they traded away Adam Duvall for Alex Jackson, who probably backs up at catcher for Jorge Alfaro. Um, and then they traded away John Curtis, who's a good pitcher, and traded him away for another catcher from the Brewer system, Peyton Henry. So what I want to comment on the Marlins is the Marlins, they know how to develop pitching. They have a scary they have scary good pitching. So you've got Pablo Sanchez. You've got Trevor Rogers. You've got now Jesus Lazardo, who still has the potential to be a good, a good starting pitcher with six years of team control. He's going to be on that team for six years, so they could develop him, and they're good at developing these prospects. Also, with Sixto Sanchez, he has not come out and played this year because of injuries, but you're looking at four young pitchers who, if they continue to develop and be good, that is going to be a scary, scary starting pitching rotation for the Marlins. And then, you know, they they know how to develop pitching, and they have an abundance of it. So maybe in future trade deadlines, they can develop a little more and trade these guys for other bats and really start to challenge in this NL East. So that's my comment on the Marlins is they got a they could potentially have a very scary starting pitching. Now we're going to move from the NL East and focus on the NL West who was very very busy. So you have the Giants They got Chris Bryant, and like I said, I didn't like this trade from the Cubs' perspective. The Giants, they got Chris Bryant. Um, He can play all over the place. He's going to probably fill in in the the third base spot that has been vacated by Evan Longoria because he's hurt. But once Evan Longoria comes back, you know, Chris Bryant can play anywhere. He can play all in the outfield. He can play first base. He can play third base. He could play anywhere you ask him to do. And he's a good defender in all, in six positions. So that's a better get than Javier Baez, who is a good, you know, who's an above average, who's above average at one position. Whereas, um, you know, he, he could be above or average at one position. Chris Bryant is above average fielding at all six positions that he plays. Plus, you're looking at a pretty decent bat. So, could be a good bat to push for the, you know, to push into the playoffs. Um, They also received Tony Watson, so they got their relief pitcher in a very Giants-like move. They got an older relief pitcher to come out there. Um, They got him from the Angels and traded away Jose Marte, Ivan Armstrong, Sam Selman. So, they... Traded away quite a bit for Tony Watson, who's not having the best season in the world. But those were the only two trades the Giants made. I could have seen Max Scherzer go there. Max Scherzer would have been great to see there. Uh, Maybe another starting pitcher would have been great to see go. But they got Chris Bryant. We'll see if they can hold on in the NL West. Because the Dodgers, they made some moves. Let me tell you what. They didn't make they only had three trades, but at least one of them 
made them probably World Series favorites. Of course, I'm talking about the Max Scherzer-Trey Turner trade where they traded away four prospects. Now they traded away four prospects. So their farm system is kind of hurting now. But you get Max Scherzer and Trey Turner on top of a lineup where probably your worst performing hitter is a former MVP in Cody Bellinger. You've got Chris Taylor, the best utility player. You've got Mookie Betts. You've got Justin Turner. You've got a young Will Smith. You've got you've got Corey Seager who's getting ready to come back. You've got all of these great hitters on top of Clayton Kershaw coming back. You've got Walker Bueller who's doing very well. Julio Urias. You've got a pretty decent bullpen and it the Dodgers are going to be hard to beat, especially when they get in the playoffs. It's going to be really scary when you've got Max Scherzer and Clayton Kershaw and Walker Bueller and Julio Rios, who we've seen do really well in the post postseason as your four pitchers. That's going to be tough to beat. And Trey Turner is going to play shortstop for right now once he comes off the COVID, the COVID list, but He's going to play shortstop until Corey Seager comes back, which should be very soon. And then he's going to slide over to second base, and allow, and that allows Chris Taylor to play the outfield a little more. And it leaves the Dodgers to not have to compete in this competitive shortstop free agent market that's coming out with Corey Seager and Trevor Story and you know all, um, all of these shortstops that are going to be out, out in the free agent market in this offseason. So, overall, they improved their lineup. On top of getting Danny Duffy, who is hurt right now, but he's a good back back into the rotation option. Um, they trade in for a player to be named later, and then they also get Billy McKinney from the Mets to be on their bench for the outfield as well. Okay, so the Dodgers are looking pretty scary, and we'll see how that shakes out. They still have to fend off the Giants and the Padres. The Padres, I feel like, are kind of losers in this trade deadline. They didn't, they missed out on a lot. So their biggest get was that they got Adam Frazier, right? But they had to give up a a ton to get him. They also traded, excuse me, they also traded for Daniel Hudson from the Nationals. But again, they traded away some some prospects to get them. And then you get Jake Marisnik for another prospect. So you're looking at MLB talent for prospects, which is fine for a team that's buying, but with the apparent shoulder injury that Fernando Tatis has suffered, which I saw live, by the way, I was there for that Padres game. Um, I probably won't have time today to review Petco Park. I'm not because I'm going over a little bit. But, you know, it, uh, it with that injury and the trade deadline that they had, I don't really see them competing for the NL West. And uh, I think they're really going to be fighting hard for that wild card spot. I don't think the Padres are as good as everybody thinks they are. You have Blake Snell, who's underperforming. Mike Clevenger not doing as hot. 
Denelson Lament, who's on the IL. Um, you have Hugh Darvish, who's doing pretty good. Um, you know, but I don't know. I just, I don't feel like this team is at the same level as the Giants, who seem serious this year, and the Dodgers. I don't see them competing for the NL West, and I don't see them... Yeah, it's going to be... If they make the playoffs, they're not going to go very far. And it's really weird to see a trade deadline. This is just my last comment on this. It's really weird to see a trade deadline that was not headlined by a move made by Jerry DePoto or A.J. Preller of the Padres. That's I'm just going to say that. Um, moving on to the Diamondbacks... They had a very meh, um, they don't really have much to trade right now. They traded away Steven Vogt and they traded away two prospects, uh, or no, they traded away, uh, Joaquin Soria. They didn't really trade away much. They're, they're, they're kind of in shambles, but the good news for the Diamondbacks is, you know, they're, they are, they got some young talent coming up. So Fangraphs has them ranked as the fourth best um, farm system after the draft and the trade deadline. So they've got some young guys coming. So, you know, maybe there is a future for the D-backs. Let's get to the Rockies. So I've already kind of got on a little rant, but the Rockies, the only thing the Rockies got was two prospects, lower-end prospects, that fill in the bottom end of their top 30 for Michael Givens. And then they traded for a relief pitcher, Ashton Godot, for cash from the Reds. None of these trades involve anybody named Trevor Story, Herman Marquez, John Gray, Charlie Blackman. Nobody. Trevor Story was probably the biggest get, and there was a lot of people interested, especially the Yankees. Here's a story that I read on the Yankees <coughs> about this trade. The Yankees wanted Trevor Story. Brian Cashman likes Trevor Story and still thinks that they might be able to re-sign him at the end of the at during the offseason. And in order for the Rockies to trade away Trevor Story, they were asking for four very highly touted prospects in the Yankee system, all of which Cashman did not want to get rid of. That was his whole goal, which he accomplished. Don't get rid of his highest touted prospects. That's what the Rockies wanted. Cashman said no. He also, the Rockies also asked anybody that they asked for, anybody that they asked, or anybody that asked about Trevor's story, it was the same story. We want your highest prospects. Nobody wanted that. Why? Because Trevor Story is batting 240, not as much power in a hitter's park that is Coors Field, mind you. And he's got a good glove for shortstop, but he's got elbow problems. He he's not throwing as hard. He's got elbow issues. So you're telling me that a shortstop with elbow problems who's not hitting as well in a hitter park, you're looking for four top prospects? You're out of your mind. No wonder nobody traded with you. So now guess what, Rockies? You get nothing. You get one draft pick for him. And essentially, you get nothing for Trevor Story. 
And Trevor Story has no clue why he's not traded. John Gray is confused as to why he's not traded. Herman Marquez, not, they didn't even kick the tires on Herman Marquez, it sounds like. Or Charlie Blackman. Charlie Blackman might be a loyalty type of thing of, well, we kind of have this big contract. We extended him a big contract. He hasn't performed like he should have. So, you know, we might as well honor this contract and not trade him away. But still, he's still got some value. You had two pitchers and two position players with some value. And you're telling me that you didn't get anything for these guys? Are you kidding me right now? Really? You could have stood to have the most, to have the biggest haul, along with the Cubs and the Nationals. And you got two prospects that are in your A-ball system. That's it. And a relief pitcher that I've never even heard of. You've got to be kidding me right now. So then I decided to look at their farm system. Guess where the Rockies are at? The Rockies are ranked 28th after the draft and after the trade deadline. So not only can the Rockies not acquire talent, not only can they not develop they cannot draft talent either. They cannot evaluate talent. And obviously they can't evaluate their own players because they're trying to over they're trying to oversell their players. Worst franchise that is being run in the MLB right now. Whoever is running those Rockies needs to be fired. This trade deadline is a fireable offense. And I've heard it on a couple of podcasts. Um, one of those was Dong City. Um, from the Baseball Life Facebook group, um, Henry Maldonado Jr. who and Vince Mercandetti, who are going to be guests in a couple weeks, they will probably say the same thing as I did. The, these Rockies are, whoever is running this team needs to be fired. They need to have a complete overhaul in the front office, and they need to have new people evaluating this talent because guess what? You're losing out on Trevor Story. You get nothing. And you're probably, you, if it doesn't, if it continues this way, you're going to lose out on your John Gray value and you're going to lose out on your Herman Marquez value. So there goes that. They were the biggest losers. They get a big old fat F minus for this trade deadline. Terrible trade deadline by the Rockies. It just blows my mind that nobody named Charlie Blackman, Herman Marquez, John Gray, or Trevor Story were traded off of this team. Just blows my mind. Then they come out to the media and they say, well, we think we still have some good players. No, you suck. You're awful. You're terrible. There is no reason for you to keep these guys. You're at the cellar of the NL West. There's no way you're competing with any of these other teams. You've got nobody behind them. You needed to replenish your farm system. You had four players who probably could have done at least something for you and you didn't do it. Look at the other bad teams in this in the uh, MLB right now. The Pirates are the fifth best um, MLB system or farm system. The Diamondbacks are, 
I'm sorry, they're the third best. The Diamondbacks are the fourth best. The Cubs went up 13 spots to be the ninth best. You got the Nationals, who still are not great, but they went up seven spots because of the trade deadline. They've got highly touted prospects now because they evaluated their players correctly. You didn't do that, so you missed out, and you're not going to get the return that you should have gotten for any of these other players. Awful. Terrible, awful. If anybody, if any clubhouse should be destroying things and getting upset, it should be the Rockies franchise. And this comes off the heels of the the terrible trade that was the Nolan Arenado trade because they didn't get anybody for Nolan Arenado. So I don't know what the Rockies are doing over there. All right, we're going to go off of that rant and finish up with last call. Um, we're at an hour and a half now, so we're going to make this very short and sweet. I uh, wanted to do this last call because I got a call from an old coach uh, that that was listening to the podcast, and I was looking at, I was actually reading the article of Kendall Graveman and the Kendall Graveman trade and how upset the Mariners team was when Kendall Graveman was traded. I got to thinking about showing the expression of anger that happens in baseball. And I was talking to this old coach and it just so happens that this old coach is the focal point of a story that I have from my childhood about expressing anger on the ball field. So let me set the picture for you. I'm in Little League. My father is coaching my team, the Yankees. This other coach, um, we won't name him um, because I don't know if he wants his name on the podcast. Um, he was he happened to be a coach of mine for a very long time, but at this point we were playing against each other. He was actually the Pirates. So it was the Yankees versus the Pirates. And his team wasn't particularly doing very well in this game we did a little bit of uh, our team did a few things that you know hap- it, ha- it happened to turn to our we ended up we were winning and his team was making some mistakes and my dad being my dad and they were mind you these two coaches were friends my dad being my daddy decides to try and push this other coach's buttons and he keeps making jabs at him and comments and whatnot. And finally, the team made, I don't know, probably their fourth or fifth mistake in the game. And my dad had made another comment. And my and this other coach just absolutely lost it. And most other coaches get up, you know, when, when you show anger, you see a lot of players... Um, beat up on Gatorade coolers or they throw their glove or hats get thrown or whatever. So you would think that would have happened, but no, the nearest thing to get destroyed was a full bucket of baseballs that he liked to sit on. At this point, he wasn't sitting on it because he was very angry. So instead of sitting on it, he decided he was going to kick it across the dugout. Full bucket of baseballs kicked across the dugout. 
and he kicked this ball. He kicked this bucket across the dugout. There was a player on the bench by the name of Tristan. Poor Tristan, because this bucket exploded, and the baseballs just he just got pelted with baseballs all over the all over the um, all over the bench. So poor Tristan, and he kicked the bucket. Got very very upset, and. He seemed to have been limping around for the rest of the game, obviously. When you kick a full bucket of baseballs, that tends to happen. So, a couple days later, we go to practice. We were sharing the field with this team at the time. And this coach shows up in a boot. He broke his foot, kicking a bucket of balls from being angry. (laughs) And to this day, I still talk to my—I still talk to this old coach, and it never fails. And I've coached with him a couple times; it never fails. I never fail to bring up that story to him. Any bit of time that I can get that story in, I get it in because it's just a fantastic story. I love—I just love it. You know, when you get passionate about something so much that you just break your foot because you're just so angry, it's. Oh, it's so funny. So funny. Sometimes I don't think he likes me bringing up this story, but I love this story. This story is fantastic. So on that note, thank you for listening to the, um, what turned out to be an hour and a half edition uh, of the trade uh, trade deadline exclusive episode of Round Trippers available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else that you listen to your podcast. I am your host, Austin Spiro, and tune in next week for a, another episode. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to make a small scheduling change. Instead of coming out on Wednesdays, I am now going to come out on Mondays. So instead of premiering new episodes on Wednesdays, be on the lookout for new episodes every Monday where we talk about more stuff going around the MLB. Next week, I will bring you up to speed on the Olympic softball and baseball tournament. You probably know it already, but I will you know, break it down just a little bit for you. Anything else that happens to come up in MLB news, And until then, I will see you all again on Monday. Thanks for listening and have a good one, everybody.